have compassion for everyone you meet, even if they don't want it. What seems like bad manners or cynicism is always a sign of things no eyes have seen or ears have heard. You don't know what wars are going on down where the spirit meets the bone. But ring the bells that still can ring. Forget your perfect offering. There's a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. I invite you to think about a time when you decided that you were all in. Maybe you were wakeboarding or water skiing for the first time, floating behind a massive boat engine with your cousin giving you the thumbs up. Maybe it was your first musical or play on stage and it was your cue to go out in front of the crowd. Perhaps it was your first day at a new job or maybe it was your first day as boss. Maybe it was your wedding day in front of family and friends. Perhaps it was when your child opened their eyes and gripped your finger or your grandchild fell asleep on your chest. But think about a time when it hit you that you were all in. All of you. Hell or high water, as some say. We remember those moments because they are big and important and mean something. However, the most challenging part is just before we decide we are all in, if we have time to decide that. When your cousins tell you, try it, Keith, it'll be okay, and I weigh, really, do I want to drink this lake water? When you're rehearsing lines, imagining forgetting a cue or a dance step, or, or when you question whether you are good enough or prepared enough to step into a leadership role, just before we are all in, there is often conflict because such vulnerability comes with risks and challenges. And to be all in says, yes, regardless of all that could happen. This past week was Valentine's Day. To some, it is a hallmark holiday with the added bonus of eating excessive amounts of chocolate, but it also provides an opportunity. Most often, our relationships change because we change. And so there are times like Valentine's Days and, and anniversaries where we not only remember those we are all in with, but it's a time to make perhaps a new commitment. Well, Peter had been following Jesus for a while now before ascending that mountain with James and John. Peter was fishing in the Sea of Galilee the day that Jesus walked by saying, follow me and I will make you fish for people. And while he weighed whether to, to leave his job, his home, his friends, his family, he did the risk benefit analysis and said, yes, and immediately dropped his net and followed Jesus. He listened to Jesus' teachings and his sermons. He, he heard, blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He was challenged by the teachings of love, your, of love even your enemies, and to not judge others, but really investigate uh, that log that is in your own eye and all of this seemed important for heaven to come 
on earth. But not only did Peter listen to Jesus' words, but he saw Jesus live what he taught, helping lepers who were often marginalized to the beyond city limits. He saw them return to communal life with joy. He saw Jesus have meals with all kinds of people, breaking bread and breaking barriers of who was in and who was out. Jesus really was creating a space for all to belong. We can imagine that Peter found meaning and purpose in following Jesus. And nothing would deter him from continuing. That is, until Jesus got real with his disciples. A couple things we often gloss over in Jesus' ministry, and perhaps so did Peter, was that around every corner, God's ways, which is love and just, God's ways also lived in tension with power and with the culture. The Gospel of Matthew is clear that the event that triggers Jesus, his public ministry, is when John the Baptist is arrested. Jesus knew the risks of his ministry. Scribes and Pharisees distanced themselves from Jesus, knowing uh, that the kingdom of God was not sitting so well with the kingdom of Caesar. Because both Jesus and Caesar were referred to as the Son of God, Jesus would live it centered on love and justice, while Caesar centered it on maintaining a law and order and the status quo. Jesus saw it done to John the Baptist and others, knowing that death was a possibility. At this point, Jesus begins foretelling his death and resurrection. And because he cares and truly loves his disciples who embody his teachings, he prepares them to face the consequences. All who want to come after me must say no to themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For those that want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake will find it. Peter represents the disciples then and now, and us. When the good news of Christ is in conflict with the world around us, are we still all in? When it is in conflict with friends or family and what they may believe, are we still in? When we put ourselves at risk because we advocate for those on the margins and the oppressed, are we still in? We, like Peter, actually have to struggle with this reality. That the ways of God require us to give our lives to God. Which is a way of saying to lay down our lives for the possibilities of love and justice and grace and communal well-being to thrive. Is death the goal? No. Could that be a reality? Maybe. But it was for Jesus and all of the disciples. Peter is in conflict. He wants to follow Jesus. He wants to be all in on the struggles, but not with the consequences. 
And so on top of the mountain, Jesus turns towards Jerusalem, knowing that the cross most likely awaits him, yet that does not dissuade him. He is still all in, and his face shines like the sun, and his clothes become as white as light, and Moses and Elijah stand beside him. And if there was a question, if he was the Son of God, if it was Caesar or Jesus, it is Jesus who is shining with divinity, surrounded by prophets. And the disciples saw this, and they fall on their faces. That's what Scripture says. They fell on their faces. Literally, in fear, they put their faces in the dirt. Just imagine how scared they were to hit the floor. And seeing this, Jesus does not rebuke them. He does not question their faith or condemn them. He simply touches them and gently tells them to get up and to not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. How comforting. Jesus touches them and comforts them. What I imagine is peace and calm as their heart rate begins to fall to follow Jesus up the mountain, to experience the glory and the peace and the love of well-being with Jesus, we also must let go of our fear to follow Jesus down the mountain and face the challenges that may come. Those that lose their life for my sake will find it. Hmm. Dom Helder Camara uh, was a Brazilian archbishop serving around 1964 to 1985 during a military dictatorship. He did social and political work for the poor and for human rights and democracy during the military regime, which, as you can expect, wasn't popular and put him at risk. When Lent With Lent just about to begin, as as Jesus, James, and John, and Peter come down the mountain, I invite you to listen to this poem by Dom Camera titled, Go Down. He says, go down into the plans of God. Go down as deep as you may. Fear not for your fragility under the weight of water. Fear not for life or limb, sharks attack savagely. Fear not the power of treacherous currents under the sea. Simply do not be afraid. Let go. You will be led. Like a child whose mother holds him to her bosom and against all comes into his shelter. This morning's scripture is a clear call to give all of ourselves. Not to sacrifice for the sake of sacrifice, but to give ourselves fully to the world that God longs to create. And thank Lord that most of us likely will not be put on a cross. 
But we will have to risk not fitting in with others, not going along with the status quo, speaking difficult truths for healing to take place. And these are not small tasks. And I believe Jesus knew that done in faith, it may even feel like dying. Hmm. I took a chance that day wakeboarding. But after the fifth or sixth attempt, I stood up and was amazed to see that I was on the water doing it. Each of you have taken chances in your life where you said, I am all in. And you found yourself doing it. God knows there are challenges and there is hurt involved. But what was it like when you were gliding on the water? When it was at its best? And would you trade that in for anything else? God is so good and so clever that those who lose their life, that say, I am all in with you, God, will actually find life in God's shelter. Are you all in? Amen.